Aaron. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The testimony is out. The Durham report is complete. Congress now has heard the direct testimony of John Durham with regard to the study years-long investigation concerning the alleged Russian collusion. His result, his findings, there was never any such collusion, not even a hint. No evidence whatsoever of such collusion. In fact, it was all concocted intentionally in the White House. It was all concocted intentionally to achieve ulterior motives and nefarious objectives. So here's my question for you. If treachery were obvious, it wouldn't be treacherous, would it? So do you think that there were many, many professing Christians who were taken in by the allegations, continuous allegations for years and years about Russian collusion? Do you think so? Do you think that Adam Schiff, who continued to say before the cameras across America that he had privy knowledge of actual information that would establish and prove evidentiary proof of the collusion, but it wasn't there. It wasn't there. So, do you think that many Christians may have been seduced by these reports? I can tell you they were. In fact, many people, both believers and non-believers, were seduced in whole or in part by these reports. So my question then, again, is if treachery were obvious, would it be so treacherous? No. Treachery becomes profound betrayal precisely because it is perceived initially as dependable truth that we can trust. So trust then becomes the fulcrum. And when trust is broken, treachery is revealed, but oftentimes too late. In fact, usually too late. Now here's the deal. There's going to be a fulcrum, a final fulcrum, over which the trust of our world is going to be conferred with little reservation upon a very, very clever counterfeit. He's going to be seen as a virtual savior, a man having accomplished the seeming impossible. He's going to truly wow the world, including, unfortunately, most Jews, Christians, and Muslims. In fact, the spectacular effects of his achievements, or seeming achievements, were going to bring immense glory to his person and profound gratification to the peoples of the earth, particularly in the Western world. And with the bestowal of such glory is going to come the unprecedented bestowal of nearly unrivaled power. So he's going to speak as if he were God in the flesh. 
In fact, the world is going to confer upon this imposter savior a level of near absolute trust as if he and his empire were an absolute monarchy, even though acquired demonically. He's going to receive near total deference from the world leaders and rulers, governors, who will be conscripted without resistance to do his will for what will be perceived perceived as the best interests of the planet. In fact, never since Nimrod back there at the Tower of Babel is such a person ever going to have had such power reposed in him in the history of the planet. And the sheer swiftness of this transfer of massive authority is going to be utterly breathtaking. So you say, well, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? Well, friends, it has everything to do with you. Contrary to what you may perceive or have been told, it has everything to do with you. In fact, history has never recorded greater treachery nor profound treason than that that's engineered by Lucifer, also known as Satan, the deceiver, the serpent, through the beast empire and his counterfeit Christ that's coming. In fact, that's one of the main reasons why they wanted to defeat Donald Trump. They wanted to defeat Donald Trump because he insisted upon making America great, while they insisted that we are on the edge of a new world government, a rebuilding of the Tower of Babel, finally, to consummate a global government that we have long yearned for. That was at the very foundation of the accusations, the false accusations of Russian collusion. It had nothing to do with tweets, because it began the moment he descended down the escalator at Trump Tower to make his announcement of running for the presidency in 2015. Today, it's not about Donald Trump. We're not talking here today about Donald Trump, that he just happens to be, incidentally, in this particular situation that's developed, that has taken our country by storm. But here's the deal. There's going to be incredible carnage that's going to be uh, inflicted on the kingdoms of this world. And it's going to happen through a counterfeit figure, but who's going to gain dominion by power, yes, by power, but by popularity. By popularity. In fact, Jesus knew what was going to transpire. Here's what he said. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Who is he talking to? He was talking to his disciples and those who would believe after them. He wasn't talking to the pagans. He was talking, he was delivering a warning based upon the book of Daniel concerning the end of the age. 
And what was that warning about? It was a warning about massive tribulation that would come upon professing Christians. That's called the Great Tribulation. Before that time, there were troubles, rumors of wars, wars, the beginning of sorrows, as Jesus said in Matthew 24. But then toward the end of that chapter, he said, oh, and by the way, the deception is going to be so great that if it were possible, even the very remnant elect would be deceived. And by the way, there's going to be great tribulation, a great tribulation, not just troubles, not just increasing troubles, but troubles so great that the world will have never experienced them. Question, are you prepared for such troubles? Don't answer too quickly, because you might be caught off guard. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. The question looming before us here today is, will you be caught off guard? Will the church professing Christians be caught off guard? Off guard from what? Well, that's what we want to talk about for the balance of the program here today on Viewpoint. Because if we can be caught off guard and can be deceived by something so sinister as that concocted, by Hillary Clinton and her election team with the known knowledge of Barack Obama and Loretta Lynch, Department of Justice, right there in the White House, together with Joe Biden. If that could happen to deceive the American people for so long and to be carried on with such a nefarious secretive kind of passion that was all deception from the very beginning. Why is it you think that we could not be deceived by a direct and open satanic deception called the Antichrist? And you say, well, why should I be concerned about that? Aren't we going to be out of here? Well, that's probably what you've been taught. But is it true? Is it true? The danger for the church, professing Christians, is not being left behind. But in being caught off guard. Not being left behind, but being caught off guard. In other words... Deceived by our own willful deception because we didn't want to believe that we might have to be prepared for something more severe. Are you ready? 
Today I received a magazine called Zion's Fire. I receive it every every month, together with many other magazines and so on. And uh, it caught my attention. The front cover caught my attention. And here were the words, caught off guard. Is the church prepared to encounter the Antichrist before the second coming of Jesus Christ? So I thought, I need to take a look at this. And as I took a look at it, I realized this is a wonderful way to present a very serious issue that very few people are willing to even think about, including our pastors, just not willing to even think about it. And there are reasons why we're not willing to think about it, because we don't want to. For instance, let me give you a clue. On December 28th of last year, I received a copy of the Epic Times. And in that article, in that particular issue, was this headline, The Fear of Suffering is Driving Us Crazy. The Fear of Suffering is Driving Us Crazy. In other words, in this world in which we live, our our modern or postmodern world, we are so fearful about suffering that we're totally unprepared to suffer anything and refuse to do so. And that includes Christians as well. Unfortunately, it does. So I want to share with you some excerpts from this uh, particular article, and then we'll proceed to have a further conversation about it. Years ago, the author writes, a book titled Left Behind appeared. It was a very popular prophetic novel on the second coming of Christ, which became the first in a series of novels and movies under the Left Behind banner. The book sounded a warning that those who do not accept Christ will be left behind at his coming. At the same time, with its pre-tribulational emphasis of imminence, that is, that Jesus would come at any moment, it set the church up to be caught off guard and spiritually ambushed by the coming Antichrist. Unfortunately, this any-moment rapture idea, unbiblical as it is, remains a deeply ingrained dogma or teaching within many of our evangelical churches today and among our pastors. At the Lord's coming, the dead in Christ will be resurrected, we're told. Now, either resurrection from the grave or rapture is the believer's blessed hope. The Apostle Paul wrote about the blessed hope of the church. And it's that hope which can keep God's elect on an even keel, no matter how severe the raging storms of life may become, even to a great tribulation, which Jesus himself talked about and told was coming. Now, if he wasn't concerned about Christians facing the great tribulation that he was talking about, then why should he even talk about it? It was irrelevant, wasn't it? Why would he want to strike fear into a believer's heart if they didn't have to be concerned about it? No, his purpose in doing it was because they needed to be concerned about it in order to be prepared. And so here on this program, for years and years, we have said we're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. 
We really are. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour in many, many different ways. Not just today, but in many, many different ways. And those who have been listening to the program for a long time know that very well. Know that very well. So, let's continue here uh, with some excerpts from this wonderful article called Caught Off Guard. The scriptures clearly teach that the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation will precede the Lord's coming. The church should be constantly watching for the Lord's coming, but fully aware of the fact that it is the emergence of the Antichrist which will indicate the Lord's emergence is near. Believers still living at that time will be removed from the earth by rapture before the outpouring of God's wrath during the day of the Lord. That is when all the trumpets and bold judgments and so on take place. But they will not be exempted from the difficulties associated with the Antichrist. The church is not going to be whisked to heaven on beds of ease as historic pre-tribulational uh, doctrine teaches. Because of unfolding world events, though, some pre-tribulationists, and I don't know if you're noticing this, but I've been noticing this, some pre-tribulationists have been begun suggesting that difficult days may come to the church before she is raptured. Now, why would they be suggesting this? Because their previous belief system was false. And they could see the falsity of it and the danger related to such teaching for the church. In other words, that the people would be unprepared, radically unprepared, taken by surprise or caught off guard. So the writer of this article says, this alarm, though welcome, is not going to suffice to prepare the church for the specific danger which lies ahead as the Antichrist, empowered by Satan, persecutes true believers who will not give him their allegiance as he seeks world domination. If the church believes she will be out of here before the Antichrist emerges, she will be caught off guard and unprepared when he appears to deceive the world. In other words, they'll be seduced by his deception. That's what's going to happen. That's why the warnings are in Scripture. All of the warnings in the Bible, all of them, are to professing believers, either Jews in the Old Testament or professing Christians in the New Testament. All of the warnings. Why would that be? Because, as Jesus said, the pagans are condemned already. You can read that in John chapter 3, right next to John 3.16. We about or quoted because it doesn't mark it well. But it is what Jesus said. So if the church believes she will be out of here before the Antichrist emerges, she's going to be caught off guard and unprepared when he, that is the counterfeit Christ, appears to deceive the world. It's the manifestation of the Antichrist in connection with the abomination of desolation at the rebuilt temple on Mount Moriah, which is going to indicate the Lord's soon return. And far from infringing on the blessed hope, 
the manifestation of the Antichrist will actually confirm or attest to its soon realization. That is, the realization that Christ is coming. So contrary to popular opinion, pre-tribulation teaching, there's going to be very specific and prophesied events which precede Jesus' coming. So for the church, the danger is not being left behind, but in being caught off guard. That's the danger. And we've talked about it over and over and over again for years here on this program. Over 20 years. Those premillennials who believe the Son of God will return to earth to establish a literal 1,000-year kingdom, which, by the way, I do, rightly cite the church fathers as a source of important evidence to support their position. In fact, in dramatic contrast, the pre-tribulationists cannot appeal to the same church fathers for support of an any-moment rapture because the church fathers didn't teach it. It's a glaring inconsistency. In fact, this writer says there isn't a single anti-Nicene, uh, anti-Nicene church father that supports a signless any-moment rapture. Quite the opposite. They uniformly teach that Antichrist must appear before Christ's coming for the church, and that the church should be watching lest she be caught off guard. No wonder, friends, no wonder Jesus talked about watch, watch, watch and be ready. Why would we need to be watched if he's just going to whisk us out of here at any moment? There's nothing to watch for. The early church fathers did not only consistently warn believers would encounter the Antichrist before the rapture, but actually called for watchfulness, purity, and steadfastness. And I believe that that's the reason why John, the beloved disciple, made it very clear. He said, whoever has the hope of the second coming of Christ in him will purify himself even as Christ is pure. In other words, he has to be ready. He has to be pure, he has to be holy, he has to be without blemish, and he has to be watching lest things take him unawares. So we're going to pick up on that as we move forward with the program here today, again, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And yes, indeed, I understand. I grew up believing because I was told to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I always believed in that from a child up until about 20-some years ago. And I began to study the scriptures myself directly on the subject and, to my surprise, discovered the scriptures do not support such a doctrine or a teaching. Just the opposite. In fact, the teaching of a pre-tribulation rapture actually undermines all of the warnings of scripture. Just undermines them. Makes them meaningless. Worthless. Why would Jesus waste his breath? Why would Jesus waste his breath? Why would the apostles waste their breath talking about being prepared 
and warning about the uh, deception and the danger that was coming if indeed believers were not going to have to deal with it. So, as far as I am concerned, I've come to the conclusion that a leader that refuses to come to grips with this issue is actually endangering the very flock that trusts him. It's kind of like a father that knows the danger coming down the street or coming down the track and refuses to warn his child. And the people are trusting us as leaders to prepare them, not to sell them a bill of goods that makes us feel good for the moment, but to prepare us for the dangers that lie ahead so that you and I can pass the test, can be overcomers when it comes time to be an overcomer. Does that make sense? We'll be back after this, friends. You're listening to Viewpoint. And Viewpoint does determine destiny, including yours. Might even determine your own. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today, we're asking the question whether professing Christians may be caught off guard not left behind, but caught off guard when they discover that they're going to have to face the Antichrist. When they discover that they're going to have to face at least some part of the great tribulation that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24. You see, there is no other period of time in the Bible called the tribulation. There just isn't. People will teach that there's a seven-year tribulation. Well, there may be a period of seven years when there will be trials and tribulations that will increase, but the Bible doesn't refer to it that way. There's only one period of time that the Bible refers to in that kind of language, and that is a great tribulation, which is probably the last three and a half years of a period of time uh, during which the counterfeit Christ or the Antichrist has gained power, and authority. So, up until that time, yes, there's going to be, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be problems. They're, going to, they're increasing, aren't they? Have you been out of here yet? Have you escaped the great tribulation of the lying and scheming of Hillary Clinton uh, that has just been confirmed by the investigator John Durham and testified before Congress today that the whole thing was a was a ridiculous, lying, deceptive scheme 
that has cost the American people probably over $100 billion and deceived the whole country and the world? Did you escape that? No, we didn't escape that. Have you escaped the nefarious uh, activities of the FBI engaged in lying and deceit in the name of justice? No. We haven't escaped that either, have we? You get the point. So what is it that believers are going to escape? That's what we need to talk about, because there is something that a believer is going to escape. But before we get into that, I want to make available to you my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. It's not about telling you who what his name is. It's about identifying him from a biblical viewpoint, not from a popular culture viewpoint, but from a biblical viewpoint. What does the Bible actually say about him? How can we identify his character, his characteristics, so that you and I will not be seduced or deceived? Isn't that the purpose? How to identify the coming imposter so we will not be seduced or deceived? Because the Bible warns us about being deceived. That's what Jesus said to begin his uh, Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24. Two days before his crucifixion, his disciples asked him what would be the sign of his coming in the end of the age. And the very first thing Jesus said was, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, why would he do that? He's talking to believers, friends. Take heed that no man deceive you. Deception will take you to perdition. If you're not prepared to identify it and resist it victoriously by faith. So I want to make the book available to you, Antichrist. It's a $22 book, uh, yours for, uh, well, it's $22 right there on our website, saveus.org. This is a 300 and, uh, no, 450-page book. 450 pages. It is complete in so many, many different ways to help us process honestly and with, uh, with Christian conviction and integrity what the Bible actually says concerning this issue. And it's very important. $22 on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Antichrist. Now, let's take a look at what the prophet Daniel had to say about this person, this deceiver. Remember, Jesus had talked, had quoted the uh, prophet Daniel, said, When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, let him understand. What was he talking about? He was talking about this counterfeit Christ marching into a rebuilt temple that doesn't exist right now and ultimately declaring himself God, much like Antiochus Epiphanes did before Christ was even on the scene. 
Very similar to that, except on steroids. The counterfeit Christ is going to literally assume the role of God in the name or in the place of Satan or Lucifer. That's how Satan is going to accomplish his declaration that he will be like the Most High God. He will ascend to the heights of the north. He will sit upon the throne right there on the Temple Mount. So, what else does Daniel have to say about this, the beast surrogate of Satan that would make him so attractive to the majority of uh, of humankind. Well, let's take a look at some of those things. First of all, in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 8, he says, he will speak great things. Some translations call it pompous words. In other words, he's going to be a big talker. Convincing. He's going to speak in such a way that it is, it's almost like he has a miraculous command of the intention of the attention of the entire world. And his, his words and his message are going to resonate as hopeful and eye-opening, just like Satan's words in the garden resonated with Eve. So his speech is going to be both powerful and it's going to be persuasive to a world that is yearning for peace and unity. Question, is our world yearning for peace and unity? Yes. Almost like never before. Everything is up in the air. Whether it has to do with China, whether it has to do with Russia, whether it has to do with uh, the United Nations, whether it has to do with uh, the UN, uh, 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 NATO, whether it has to do with Iran, uh, everything. Everything is up in the air. Then Daniel the prophet says in chapter 8, verse 24, that his power, that is the Antichrist power, shall be mighty. So it's going to be, he's going to be extremely convincing that he's a voice to be reckoned with and to be given trust and original uh, great credence. Well, that's, my friend, what the deception that took place concerning the so-called Russian collusion, that's how it was accomplished. By liars. And you trusted them. The American people trusted them. But it was false. It was false from the get-go. As John Durham revealed today in his testimony and in his report. Another characteristic of this uh, counterfeit Christ figure is he shall cause craft to prosper. Daniel chapter 8, verse 25. So in other words, people are going to be prone to gravitate, just as they do, to those who seem particularly crafty, especially in the world of politics and political intrigue. Isn't that what happened? That's what's happened over the past eight years, friends. But historical hindsight gives proof that people are drawn to embrace leaders who are crafty 
so as to accomplish their desired agenda, it was a false trust. And now they've been betrayed. And they're not prepared to deal with the betrayal. That's what's going to happen to a huge number of professing Christians. Because they weren't prepared. They've been led down the primrose path by a false teaching, although it may have been taught with uh, belief, but you can believe that the laws of nature and nature's God don't apply to you. You can believe that you can jump out of an airplane and fly. You can believe that someday you'll awake from sleep resting comfortably against the ceiling of your house. You can believe almost anything. As one article said that we talked about this week, you can believe and identify as a cat. You can believe and identify as a dog. You can believe and identify as a man when you're a woman, a woman when you're a man. You can believe anything you want, but it doesn't change truth. doesn't change reality. Daniel... Chapter 11, verse 21 and 24 says that this counterfeit figure shall come in peaceably. Hmm. So in other words, he's going to look like the Prince of Peace. Isn't that what Jesus was called? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Oh, so when this figure comes in with such popular acclaim, Where the world is in political and religious turmoil, the people are looking for a grand peacemaker, right? Would you believe that a a European leader once made this statement? He said, send us such a man, and be he God or the devil, and we will receive him. That's what he said. So the planet, friends... Our planet's going to be desperately poised for deception in pursuit of peace. Oh, but that's not all concerning peace. When we get back from this uh, upcoming break here, we're going to see how he uses peace to deceive. It's amazing. We're talking about Christians getting caught off guard, not prepared for the coming deceiver in the form of the counterfeit Christ or Antichrist. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click sell church. We can revive Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. History has never recorded greater treachery 
No more profound treason than that engineered by Lucifer, also known as Satan, the devil, the deceiver, the serpent, through his engineered beast empire and his counterfeit Christ. In fact, neither has history recorded greater devastation and destruction than what's going to follow this attempted usurpation of the very throne of God that was already prophetically declared by the Father to be the seed of his Son, Jesus Christ. You can read write that in, in Psalm chapter t- uh, 2, verses 1 to 12. So how, how great will that carnage be in the final conflict of kingdoms? Will we have to deal with it? Will Christians have to deal with it? I believe so. If that were not true, then why did Jesus say, he that endures to the end shall be saved? He didn't mean he that lives to the end. He meant that he will stand, he that stands firm amid all of the massive trials and tribulations that are coming upon the earth will be saved. That's what he meant. The problem is the church isn't being prepared to stand. The church is being prepared to flee. So then, why did the Apostle Paul said that we should be prepared to stand? And having done all to stand, stand. If you don't have to stand, and you can just flee, or Jesus is going to take you all out of it so that none of the warnings, none of the warnings that Jesus gave that the Apostle Paul gave, the Apostle Peter gave, the Apostle John gave, the James, that none of those will apply to you. Then what? why are they written in the New Testament, friends? Why? Do we dare ask that question and answer it for ourselves with honesty and integrity? Is a parent going to warn a child of a danger that doesn't exist for the child? No. There's no need for warnings about things where there's no danger for that particular person receiving the warning. We warn people that are in the sphere or the the ambit of the danger. And that's what Jesus did. So, We take a look, a couple of more minutes here, and then we're going to take a look at what it is then that Christians do escape. Because there is something that Christians escape. And it's very clearly set forth in the Bible. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 25, we are told that this counterfeit figure, this counterfeit Christ figure, will destroy many through the pursuit of peace. So who, who could resist peace, the promise of peace? So, I mean, who would not embrace the promise of peace when the world seems to be facing unprecedented explosion? Anybody wants to see peace, don't we? And so the world and Israel and many professing Christians having rejected in whole or part God's prince of peace, will be ready to embrace false as if he were real. So through the pursuit of peace, actually he's going to destroy many. In fact, we are told by our own government 
that we're engaged in the pursuit of peace by supporting the war in Ukraine, by which untold thousands of people are being destroyed, both in Ukraine and Russia. But it's ostensibly in the pursuit of peace. And yet, Joe Biden has said he's not interested in peace. That's right. And Mr. Zelensky has said he's not interested in peace. But somebody will come along and say, yes, we need to be interested in peace. And an awful lot of people will say, yeah, I I, I agree with that. But how about one who is going to create a counterfeit peace? The illusion of peace. In order to, shall we say, choreograph the rest of the world to submit to a nice, kind, loving, one-world government. Kind of like what uh, the founder of the World Economic Forum said, you'll own nothing and be happy. What's he talking about? Well, he has a vision to, to be a kind of peacemaker. You'll give up everything, all claims that you have, to anything, and government will provide all your needs according to its riches and glory by your taxes. Of course, the power to tax is the power to destroy. But people will forget that. Also, in Daniel chapter 11, verse 21, this counterfeit Christ will obtain the kingdom by flattery. Now, let's be honest about it. Isn't that what politicians use to gain their roles? Flattery. They'll tell you whatever you want to hear. Many pastors do the same thing. Unfortunately, they do. And a pastor that will not teach the whole truth of the counsel of God because there are things that he thinks the people will not accept or like, or that they'll turn against him if he teaches them, he's actually engaged in flattery, a pretense of truth to make people feel good. And flattery involves false exaggeration of another person or group, dishonest or insincere expressions, or just plain telling people, what you think they want to hear. Isn't that exactly what the Apostle Paul said was going to happen? That people would heap upon themselves, on their own lust, teachers having itching ears? This kind of promotional flattery, friends, is in a false real world that we live in. It's not hard for us to figure out. I mean, think about Burger King years ago. And they're still using this phrase. They declared in their promotion, got to give the people what they want, right? Have it your way. But God doesn't say that. He says you got to give the people what they need, not what they want. And the book of Proverbs tells us that a flattering tongue works ruin. How many people are going to be ruined by flattering exhibitions of alleged faith. So let's talk about that. 
Let's talk about what we would biblically be able to escape. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, we're not appointed unto wrath. What wrath is he talking about? He's not talking about the wrath of man. He's talking about the wrath of God. And here's where an awful lot of preachers and pastors and parachurch leaders and authors and so on get very confused. They think, well, wrath is wrath, and therefore, if we're not appointed to wrath, then we're out of here so that we don't have to experience any of the wrath of man, because the wrath of man then becomes somewhat like the wrath of God, and so we're out of here. No, friends, that's, that is not honest interpretation of the Bible. That's not what was being said. No, what the wrath that we're not appointed to is the wrath of God. When is the wrath of God going to be displayed? The Bible tells us. If you were to read the book of Revelation, you will find that it's not until the end of chapter 6 that the book of Revelation even mentions the wrath of God. And then from that time on, it's mentioned seven times. The wrath of God. The wrath of God is manifested in his bold judgments and the trumpet judgments and so on. The wrath of God is not the wrath of the Antichrist. The wrath of God is not the wrath of Joe Biden or the DOJ or Russia in and of itself, Vladimir Putin. That's not the wrath of God. It could be vicious, but it's not the wrath of God. The wrath of God is specifically declared and described in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. And the wrath of God is poured out only on the children of disobedience. In other words, those who diss what God says. That's why we don't want to be, we want to make sure we're not among those who diss what Jesus has said, what God has said in his word. We don't want to elevate our own viewpoint over his. We want to agree with his viewpoint because if we don't, we're actually dissing what God says and we are part of the children of disobedience. That's rebellion. And rebels are appointed to God's wrath. They're acting in treasonous uh, betrayal against his authority, against his kingdom. And that's why God, the Father, warned the Jewish leaders in Malachi chapter 2 concerning their divorces. He said, you're dealing treacherously with your wives. Three times he called it treachery. The word treachery is directly related to the word treason. In other words, God was accusing these religious leaders of dealing treasonously against his kingdom, against his creation order. That's why, friends, you may wonder why we spend so much time from time to time talking about the divorce and remarriage issue here. That's why. This is not a minor thing with God. 
He's portrayed his entire kingdom relationship, both with Israel and the church, as a relationship of a bride to a bridegroom. And he says, I'm not coming back for a bride. Christ is not coming back for you with with uh, a bride with, with uh, any kind of blemish. No. We're to become pure and holy, have clean hands and a pure heart, not dissing God in any way. And if we think we're going to be prepared to resist the Antichrist, With that kind of thinking, ho-hum kind of Sunday-go-to-meeting churchianity, it ain't going to work. We're not being prepared to stand. And the danger for the church is not being left behind as much as being caught off guard. And if you're caught off guard, you just might end up being left behind. That's the problem. Because you're not ready. Is this making any sense? The purpose in saying this is not to strike fear, but to build faith. We need to build or rebuild our faith and our trust in the God who made heaven and earth. The God who saves He sent Jesus to save us from our sin, but we can't continue to walk in that sin and expect to be saved. It's false doctrine. We need to be prepared. We need to be ready. I urge you to get a copy of the book Antichrist. It'll help you. It covers so many different aspects. We just looked at a few things here today on Viewpoint. How to identify the coming imposter. $22 on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. By the way, this program will be up on our website this evening. It will be there for probably a year. You'll be able to access it through podcasts podcasts, uh, all over the world. And uh, I trust that you'll tell your friends, Romans and countrymen, about that and become a partner, friends. Do it today. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. We really are. Let's take it seriously. God bless. Be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.